the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Thanks so much for joining us. It is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock as we get underway on a Wednesday, the second morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Also known for those who uh, are faithful, those who are Catholic, faithful, as Ash Wednesday. Uh, So the beginning of the very holy season of Lent, of course, leading and culminating in uh, Holy Weekend in which we celebrate the uh, risen Lord. And uh, so it's a very important time for a lot of people. If you're fasting today, good luck. If you are sacrificing in some way for Lent, I wish you the very best in trying to hold on to that. It's very important to a lot of people. Uh, so this is a big time for all of us. It's also a different day today. It is a day to analyze and react to the um, state of Ukraine today. We got the state of the Ukraine, or rather, the state of Eastern Europe address yesterday from Joe Biden. This is what I was able to find out this morning. Now, I asked you at the end of the show yesterday, and hopefully you were listening, maybe you were, maybe you were not, at the end of the show, the very end. I know not everybody can listen for, for both hours, so maybe you uh, listen in the in the early hour, like now, early part of the show, and you don't listen uh, to the end. But right before I signed off yesterday, I asked you to do me a big favor. And it's kind of more of a like a quid pro quo, you know? It's like, I look out for you, you look out for me, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, right? And I said, for years now, I have watched speeches given by people like Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and, and, uh, and Joe Biden, and I've, it's painful. And I tell you every time, I say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You don't have to watch it. I'll watch the State of the Union address, or I'll watch this address by uh, Hillary Clinton, so you don't have to. Just tune in to me, and I'll give you the lowlights. Probably very few, if any, highlights, but I'll give you the lowlights if you just tune in to me. So it's kind of like my little favor to you, it's, and it, it works out well for the most part. 
But yesterday, as I locked out of the show, I kind of said, I can't do it today, tonight. I'm not feeling it. I don't know if my television screen would survive. And I do not have the money for a new one. So I couldn't take, I couldn't run the risk of smashing my TV screen. And so I asked you yesterday to flip the script a little bit. A little quid pro quo. I've watched these, these speeches for you for so many years, and I've said, don't worry about it, I'll do it, and then I'll just give you what was said so we can kind of make some sense of it together. And uh, and it's always worked out well, but I said, would you please watch it for me? For the first time, would you flip it and watch it for me and then call me tomorrow morning and tell me what you saw? Tell me what mattered most to you. Tell me which lines were the most important. Tell me which flubs were the most entertaining. Tell me which was the most infuriating. Tell me if there was anything hopeful or inspirational. Quite literally, I want you know what I mean? Give me your analysis just as I would to you. Now, I'm not so foolish to think that, well, I just have to say, tell me what you thought, and uh, shut up, and, and suddenly you'll call me with all of the details. I did do a little bit of recon this morning, because I had to. So I did a little bit of reconnaissance work, and I looked up a little bit on what happened last night on my own, did a little prep read a few analyses, listened to a, a few comments, and heard a few of the sound bites as well. So I didn't go completely blind to it or deaf to it. I just didn't watch it live. I did a little bit of work because I wanted to generate some thoughts, but I am literally relying on you to keep up your end of the bargain. Now, admittedly, you may not have agreed to the bargain. You may have said, as a matter of fact, I, uh, I got a... Um, Friend, uh, Charlie Kalani, uh, the, the polit- politically incorrect mechanic, who's a good buddy and a good Facebook friend, too, of mine, and he put on there what I said uh, on his uh, page yesterday and tagged me in and said, uh, Bob France wants us to watch this speech for him tonight and then report back tomorrow morning. And the ver- the majority, it looked like, of the responses were, no, <laughs> hard pass, not doing it. So maybe you didn't agree to the to the quid pro quo. But if you did, this is the time to get in and tell me what you thought. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Now I do have a ton. Thankfully, I've got a great uh, uh, producer, uh, Johnny, who, uh, who went ahead and watched it. He said it was painful. Not only did he watch it and listen to it, he actually had to listen to it and listen to it again and again and again and again, soundbite by soundbite, because he recorded a whole bunch of very crucial soundbites from the State of the Union. So that poor guy uh, did, you know, overtime, uh, yeoman's work here. Not only did he suffer through Biden once, he had to replay it in his head several times as he was cutting the the, the, the speech up into small, bite-sized uh, you know, uh, morsels. So we're, we're gonna, we're gonna partake in those in just a moment. Before we do anything else, and we're gonna be pretty much all State of the Union today because I do want you, I want your reaction to it. I will give you what I was able to gather this morning in my preparation. And I'm gonna read a couple of pieces to you that I think were poignant and, uh, offer us an opportunity to respond to the state of the Eastern European Union. And I'm really believing that's what went down as I, as I checked everything. He spent so much time talking about how heroic he and the rest of the world have been against Vladimir Putin. In other words, he stood there for however long it was and wagged the dog. Don't look over here, look over there. Don't look at what's happening in the United States to the myriad of crises that have me at a 37% approval rating. Look over there. Look what that mean man is doing. Look at all of the death and destruction in another country, and we've got to oppose that. 
Now, we're not going to fight that, quite literally, but we're going to oppose that. We're going to sanction that a, a little. And, and, and then maybe later, if he keeps killing more people and blowing up more um, schools and hospitals and civilian neighborhoods, then maybe we'll do a little more sanctioning. And then, and then, and then maybe, maybe some more. We're not going to sanction his exporting of energy, however, because we want it and we need it. Because we don't want to be drilling for or oil ourselves. We don't want to drill for it. We don't want to refine it. We don't want to transport it. We don't want it coming to your pumps because we're transitioning away from oil in the United States. This is what Biden has said, and this is what uh, Peppermint Patty has said, Madam Circleback. So we're going to keep importing the oil. Let somebody else drill for it because you know, if we're if we're if we're swearing off fossil fuels for the purpose of protecting the planet. You know, the European, that's a different continent. That's a different part of the planet. It won't be as impacted. The planet won't be as impacted if we drill over there or if we drill in the Middle East as it would if we drilled in North America, you see. You see, so we got to buy oil from Russia all while telling Russia that we don't like what they're doing. What a comedy. What a tragic, dark comedy this whole thing has become. So I'll get into all of that, and I want you and your opinions as well. 216-901-0945. But first, as always, my friends, please rise. If you are a patriot and a loyal supporter of this country, this republic, this flag, this constitution, join us for our daily Pledge of Allegiance. If you have a flag, please face it. Put your hand on your heart. If you're driving and you don't have a flag, that's okay. But if you can drive with one hand and cross your heart with the other, that would be glorious. And by the way, to all of those drivers who are finding ways to put flags on their dashboards or hanging from their rearview mirrors because they're in the car at this time of day, God bless you guys. You are awesome. And I love the pictures you keep sending me of your flags that you face when we say our pledge every day. If you are a Brandon supporter, and if you found a lot of great, great uh, inspiration and strength from his speech last night, well, the odds are very, very strong that you don't understand what this republic is all about anyway. So you go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback if you'd prefer not to pledge. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I do have one guest scheduled for this morning coming up at 9.35. We're going to be talking with uh, Senate candidate and former Ohio Treasurer Josh Mandel. Josh uh, is going to give us his view of the State of the Union address. He just picked up a pretty major endorsement uh, from a member of Congress. Madison Cawthorn has, uh, has endorsed Josh Mandel. So we're going to talk to him, talk about the polling and how the race is going. Uh, but mostly we're going to talk about issues uh, that Joe Biden was supposed to address. And, uh, of course, those that he did not, as he, again, spent so much time on Eastern Europe rather than on the United States of America and our state of our union. So Josh Mandel will be with us, but I want to hear from you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I want to give a little summary here that was uh, one of the pieces that I read this morning as I did recon, and this is from Time Magazine. I think it's pretty well explained without a whole lot of the typical liberal bias you expect from publications like Time Magazine. It's just kind of a here's a play-by-play of what he did without too much commentary. I'd like to share some of this with you, except that I want to interject said commentary. 
Joe Biden walked into the House chamber Tuesday maskless. This is a big deal to them. By the way, two days before, Joe Biden was marching to um, uh, Marine One, to the chopper, outdoors, by himself, no one around him, not even Secret Service, they were waiting at the uh, Marine One, he marched to that helipad outdoors by himself in a mask. And he marched in the most peculiar way. It's really weird. People noticed it online, too. It's just his walk, his gait is so forced. It's like every step. And I, I'm, I apologize for getting off track here, but really, this it's like you can see with the steps that he's taking. He's so focused. its You can just hear him in his head going, right, left, right, left, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, right, left. It's so bizarre. His arms aren't... Do you ever see that Seinfeld episode where the, um, uh, the woman uh, that Elaine worked with walked without swinging her arms? I think Jerry said she looks like she's carrying two, indiv- two uh, invisible suitcases. <laughs> That's how Joe Biden walks. It's a bizarre thing. But anywho, he marched to Marine One wearing a mask outdoors just two days ago. Now, what I want to know is, what happened from then to yesterday? What happened from Sunday to Tuesday that changed the science? Because the science said we need to have our masks on as little as two days ago, outside even, this, this lunatic. But yesterday, he marched into the chamber maskless, which is a clear indication, of course, that uh, COVID is gone, COVID is dead, Omicron has been defeated, or, or has it? We'll talk more about that in a moment. But maskless Joe walked in shaking hands with lawmakers before he spoke about a new moment in the country easing its pandemic restrictions. Last year, COVID-19 kept us apart, he said. This year, we are finally together again, he said to a bi- to bipartisan applause. Now, I'm going to stop here. This is where I'm going to inject the opinion part. The chutzpah for this piece of human flotsam and jetsam for him to say, we were apart, but we're together again. He said, we shouldn't be divided a moment longer on COVID. This is the guy who literally divided America on COVID, from vaccinated heroes to unvaccinated, dirty, unwashed, unclean, would-be murderers. This is the guy who said, if you take the needle... Even though we don't know what's in it or what it's going to do to us in the long term, if you don't take the needle, you're fired. Nothing quite says unity and coming together like either take the jab or lose your job, lose the ability to support your family. That's still going on right now. For federal workers or workers of companies that have federal contracts, if you didn't take the jab, you're fired. That's still in place. The only one that's not in place, thanks to the Supreme Court, is the OSHA mandate that you take that needle or lose your job. Of course, that also, really unifying there, Joe, really unifying. 80, 100 million Americans, take the jab or lose your job. It's just that simple. You make your choice. Do what we tell you to do or starve. Go hungry. And oh, by the way, if you choose not to take the jab and you lose your job, no unemployment benefits for you. That's what the Brandon administration and the Democrats screamed. Starve. 
you disgusting germ carriers. Starve. That's literally what his message was. Now he's going to step to that podium last night and say, we're together. No, we're not. And the reason we're not is because of you. And because of your Justin Trudeau-like mandates. Because of your authoritarian views. Because you want control over everybody. At least you and your cabal want control over the, the individual choices everyone makes. Just simply disgusting. So that part needs to be clarified. Then for 10 minutes time, magazine writes, Biden found another topic that kept Republicans and Democrats on the same page. Opposition to Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Putin badly miscalculated, Biden said. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, he met a wall of strength. He never imagined he met the Ukrainian people. To loud applause from both parties, Biden announced the U.S. is closing its airspace to Russian planes. And on and on and on we go. Uh, Putin thought that he uh, he could divide us at home in this chamber and in, and in this nation, but Putin was wrong. We are ready. We are united. Why is this dementia-addled old man who is being led around from his basement to the pudding room uh, in the home on a daily basis, why is he acting like he's leading the response to the Russian aggression? Why is he acting like that? Like he has done anything to to hamper or impede Vladimir Putin? His existence as President of the United States is why Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine in the first place. That's not a question. That's a reality. That's that's it's a simple. Obvious fact. Vladimir Putin didn't touch anyone, anyone for four years while Donald Trump was president. But he annexed the peninsula of Crimea during Obama, uh, Barack Obama's regime and now goes full on into mainland, homeland Ukraine under Biden's regime. What's the difference there? The difference is Putin, as a dictatorial strongman, looks for weakness. He's like a predator. He's like a great white, swimming around, looking casually, hoping to find something to eat, hoping to find something to attack, looking, looking, and then suddenly they can sense it. There's blood in the water, and suddenly they get aggressive. Suddenly their adrenaline starts pumping. Suddenly they start steamrolling toward uh, uh, the, uh, the source of the blood. They sense blood. They know it's there. That's food, and that's weak, injured food. This is going to be an easy kill. That's Vladimir Putin, the great white of Eastern Europe, the great white, maybe, of the, of the world, looking around, trying to decide when he can do what he needs to do in his mind to stop a country that shares a border with, with uh, Russia, like Ukraine, from joining NATO and thus putting American and NATO influence and potentially forces on a border with Russia. What can he do? Nothing. While there's an unpredictable, strong leader like Donald Trump in office, but what can he do when he sees little, creepy, sleepy Joe? He smells the blood in the water. Now is the time. Now is the time to make my attack. And Vladimir Putin knew that Joe Biden would be useless in resistance. And he's been right. 
slow-walking sanctions instead of slamming sanctions to stop this right now? Still buying 540,000 barrels of Russian oil a day? Putin is over there just licking his chops. And obviously now he's in the middle of the full-scale attack. And this is because of the guy who stood at that podium last night. i got so much more to get into, but I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945, Always right, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 927, AM 1420, the answer always right. Let's see what you did. Did you uh, live up to your end? Did you watch it? Do you have something to share with me that I probably should know about but don't? That was the quid pro quo that I asked you to engage in yesterday. Let's go to Berea. Sally, did you watch the State of the Union, Sally? Hi, Bob. This speech was like listening to something from the Twilight Zone because it has so many blatant lies. It was hard to choose. Uh, But the worst I thought was that... uh, he sounded like inflation and um, the rising energy prices were unavoidable when he actually handed Putin the measures that he needed to hold us and the world hostage to energy supplies by making us dependent again. And so I, I liked the analyses that followed um, lots of uh, excellent speakers on uh, Kennedy and Laura Ingram that just spotlighted what you know, all the lies. So thank you, and um, let's hope that uh, we can counter all this. I'm going to do my best here. Thank you, Sally, for the call. I appreciate your, your perspective on that. I'm going to do my best to highlight those lies as well. I have a great deal of respect for the, the wonderful uh, uh, people at The Federalist, and there's a great piece at The Federalist this morning, again, as I did my recon, in case you uh, <laughs> joined me and didn't watch last night. And there's a great piece, 17 Absurd Lies Biden Told During His State of the Union Speech. I read that this morning. I highlighted my favorites. I'm going to share some of those with you a little bit later on. I've got Josh Mandel coming up after the bottom of the hour, so I won't be able to do it then. But I'll have that for you a little bit later on, maybe after Josh Mandel. Uh, let's squeeze in Charlie here uh, from Westlake before the bottom of the hour. Charlie, go ahead. Hey, Bob. I watched it. I was bored. Um, the one thing I kept watching, though, I wasn't listening that much to Biden because he just he bores me. But I was watching Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris sit behind him, and I find I think there's a major disdain between the two. They didn't look at each other, and multiple times Kamala Harris made dirty looks at Nancy Pelosi. And I go, what's going on? They're both from San Francisco. They're both. I think there's a hatred. And uh, I just thought it was real interesting. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, and and thank you for the phone call. Uh, It it wouldn't surprise me that there is a little bit of discord there. Um, Perhaps, if no other reason, that Nancy Pelosi recognized what a complete drag on the the ticket uh, in the administration that, that Kamala Harris is and has been. Her embarrassing remarks explaining what's going on in Ukraine um, which I'll get to also coming up after uh, after Josh Mandel. Just the latest humiliation on a, on a national or international stage um, that she has that she has been a part of, and she is embarrassing the administration, embarrassing the Democrat Party, embarrassing the cause of Democrats to try to win in November. And I think there's probably a little bit of disdain that Pelosi has for her. That's not to say Pelosi herself isn't a gaffe machine; she is, but nothing, nothing 
compares to uh, Kamala Harris. You thought I was going to go Sinead O'Connor, didn't you? Josh Mandel joins us next. AM 1420, The Answer. Always right indeed. Appreciate you being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. What a what a train wreck. That's all I can say. The only parts of the Biden State of the Union that I did not think was necessarily train wrecky were the parts in which he just completely stole and delivered Republican talking points. I, I thought that was very interesting, including uh, the part about when this. we use taxpayers' dollars to rebuild America... We're going to do it by buying America, buy American products, support American jobs. The federal government spends about $600 billion a year to keep this country safe and secure. There's been a law on the books for almost a century to make sure taxpayers' dollars support American jobs and businesses. Every administration, Democrat and Republican, says they'll do it. But we're actually we're actually doing it. We'll buy America. You know what's interesting is that what he won't buy that's American? Oil. <laughs> he won't buy American energy. That will continue to buy from the guy that I spent fifteen minutes of my address here criticizing, Vladimir Putin. We'll continue to buy five hundred and forty thousand barrels a day from from Vladimir Putin, which on the international market now is going for about a hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen dollars a barrel. So we'll continue to screw Americans at the pump rather than open up pipelines here, open up federal lands to more exploration for natural gas. We'll just continue to buy our energy elsewhere. But I'm going to stand here and get cheap pops from the audience by saying buy America. That is, I think, uh, Joe Biden in a nutshell. Just a fountain of dishonesty and hypocrisy. Let's see what Josh Mandel has to say. Josh Mandel is, of course, the former Ohio treasurer, and he is now a current U.S. Senate candidate in a very, very tough fight uh, in a Republican primary coming up on May 3rd. Maybe, if they ever get the districts drawn, who knows if the primary is even going to come off on time. But Josh Mandel joins us now. Good morning, Josh. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Always good to be on. Good to talk to you. I'm going to talk about the State of the Union, but just super quick, because I just kind of you know stumbled into that introduction about the districts. You know as well as I do, the uh, Ohio Supreme Court has rejected the districts that have been drawn, even though they've been drawn constitutionally, and even though they have been uh, decided by the uh, district redistricting commission uh, by a majority. Um, they've still stopped those uh, districts from becoming permanent, which means they can't even put ballots together with, with candidates' names on them. Um, and the, the uh, election's in, what, about 10 weeks? Uh, are you prepared, Josh, and your campaign for potentially a delay in the, in the uh, Ohio primaries? We're assuming at this point it's going to get delayed. Uh, you know, it's a total circus down there in Columbus. And, uh, you know, it's, it's embarrassing to watch the Republican Supreme Court, um, you know, screw it up. And, you know, time and time and time again, we've talked about the fact that these state Supreme Court races are so important, even though you know, a lot of people aren't paying attention to them. It is so important to have constitutional conservatives in there. And unfortunately, uh, one of the members of the court is uber focused on screwing over the Republicans. 
and screwing over what's good for the state of Ohio. And it's just really unfortunate to watch. So how will this impact your campaign? Like, as an example, I know, you know, a lot of candidates have specific um, calendar deadlines in which they, they, they start certain things. In other words, um, 30 days out, these are going to be our ad buys. You know, 60 days out, it's this is my campaign appearance and my scheduling. Uh, you know, 15 days out, uh, the week of, and so on and so forth. They schedule all of their events and their ad buys uh, and so forth based on when the actual election is supposed to happen. So since you don't know when it might happen, how does that screw with your scheduling? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it very difficult, but, you know, it, it ends up making it difficult for all of us. You know, there's like 84 people running for U.S. Senate, and so... We're all in the same boat. You know, it's, 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 I'm not one to complain. You know, we'll wait till the legislature and the Supreme Court figure it out. And whatever the election day is, the election day is. And we'll go and win on that day. You know, we've got a plan to win if the election day remains where it is on May 3rd. We've got a plan to win if the election day gets pushed to June 3rd. We've got okay. a plan to win if the you know election gets pushed to July or August. And so one of the things I learned in the Marine Corps is, uh, you know, you always have to have contingent plans. A lot of people think the uh, motto of the Marine Corps is uh, Semper Fi, uh, Semper Fidelis, which means uh, always faithful. But people don't realize the unofficial uh, motto of the Marine Corps is Semper Gumby, which means always flexible. That's uh, that's good, and that's the reason I was asking it. So you do have a contingency plan. I'm sure all of the other uh, camps are trying to do the same thing, not to figure out what to do uh, based on when this when this happens. So since I kind of went in reverse here and started talking about your campaign instead of the State of the Union, let's stay with it and uh, talk about the endorsement that you received uh, just a couple of days ago. Madison Cawthorn, who is a uh, considered to be quite an outspoken firebrand representative from North Carolina, has said, Josh Mandel's my guy in Ohio. Tell me about that. Sure, proud to earn the endorsement of Madison Cawthorn. Um, he's, I think, the youngest uh, conservative in the U.S. Senate. He's a, a real warrior for the Trump America First platform. And one of the main reasons he endorsed me is when he looked at the U.S. Senate race in Ohio and he looked at everyone running, he only saw one true fighter for the America First platform, and that's me. And, uh, you know, when people go to my website, they see it very clearly. You go to joshmandel.com, and it says, pro-God, pro-gun, pro-liberty, pro-Trump. And that's who I am. And, uh, you know, Madison was not the first person to endorse me. I've also been endorsed by Mark Levin, the great one, who, uh, just with you, Bob, Bob France, is uh, one of the leading uh, conservative voices, I believe, on our side, um, powered not through stick powered not through um a bunch of sizzle but powered through the power of ideas the power of pro-liberty pro-freedom conservative constitutional based principled ideas and so i'm proud to have mark levin's endorsement and a bunch of other folks as well but at the end of the day the endorsement that i'm looking for besides for president trump is the uh, endorsement of the people of ohio and one of the reasons we're in the lead in the polls, despite getting outspent heavily, uh, is because the people here in the Cleveland area and the people of Ohio, uh, they view me as a fighter. And they, they know that when I get to Washington, I'm not only going to stand up to Schumer and Pelosi and Biden and these radical leftists, but just as fast, Bob, I will stand up to these squishy rhino establishment Republicans, the never-Trumpers who were trying to take down the Republican Party. 
I will be their worst nightmare. We're talking to Senate candidate Josh Mandel, who picked up a key endorsement from North Carolina Congressman Madison Cawthorn. You mentioned Mark Levin as well. Let's talk about last night. I know you watched it with, uh, you know, with uh, eagerness as well to see exactly what Joe Biden's going to say. By the way, he started that speech yesterday with the second lowest approval rating of any president ever giving a State of the Union address, particularly his first State of the Union address. Um, so he had a hard sell there to tell everybody that everything is going along swimmingly. Uh, what was your what was your biggest takeaway? What was uh, uh, your first impression from the speech as it wrapped? Well, my, my first observation was it's amazing how the coronavirus just disappeared just in time for the State of the Union. I mean, and you know these these folks on the left, Bob, they think we're stupid. You know, they, they create all this coronavirus hysteria, trying to put masks on our children and mandate vaccines of nurses and trample on our liberty and all of a sudden the election year comes and the state of the union comes and all of a sudden coronavirus is over i mean this is take a step back and think about that for a second you know these people on the left and in the mainstream media they're they're trying to play the american people for fools but we the people are on to them so that was my first observation my second observation is on not something that biden said but on something that biden did not say and what, what was really striking is that in that entire speech, he never once mentioned the Chinese Communist Party. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Xi and the Chinese Communist Party are laser beam focused on the downfall of America and on the rise of China. And they actually said that very clearly. On, on February 4th, Vladimir Putin flew to Beijing and Putin met with Xi, the leader of the Chinese Communist Party, and they put out a joint statement, a joint statement between the Russian Federation and the Chinese Communist Party. And it was their view of where the world is going. And there was one line in that statement, Bob, that was addressed to the American people. And the line from Xi and the Chinese Communist Party said that the CCP is focused on, quote, the redistribution of power in the world. Translation, they are focused on the downfall of America and the rise of China. And the fact that Biden stood up there for an hour last night and never once mentioned the economic fight we're in, the cybersecurity fight we're in, all different types of fights we're in with the Chinese Communist Party who are trying to steal our manufacturing jobs and steal our transportation jobs. It, it is just so outrageous. And Sorry, I'm getting fired up here in the air. But, but to have a president of the United States not once mention the fight we're in economically against the Chinese Communist Party just really gets under my skin and makes my blood boil. No, no apologies needed. I share that same uh, shock and, and dismay that he completely ignored that. You know, the, and the other thing, especially given the fact that he's giving himself kudos for standing up to Putin. Um, how did you receive that? The fact that. You know, Vladimir Putin has invaded another country. They are killing not only Ukrainian soldiers, but they are targeting uh, Ukrainian civilian areas, including schools and including, um, uh, uh, I think, hospitals, ambulances, and other places. Um, and 
Joe Biden was almost taking a victory lap, even though the war is just really getting started. The worst hasn't even happened yet. And he's saying, we have rallied the world. We have stood uh, stood up to Vladimir Putin and said, we're not going to allow this. The wall of Ukrainian people, blah, 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 blah. He spent 15 minutes patting himself on the back for leading the response to the Russian aggression. But to my knowledge, Josh Mandel, it was his own fecklessness and his weakness that really enabled Vladimir Putin to make the decision to go for this in the first place. Bob, that last thing you just said, that right there is the center of this story. Biden's weakness, Biden's wokeness, and Biden's energy policy, or lack thereof, is what enabled this war in Ukraine. Let's, let's take a step back and remember, when President Trump left the White House, he left an America that was energy independent. We were not relying on other countries. We were energy independent and we were exporting oil and gas to other parts of the world. All Biden had to do when he came in was nothing. If he would have just done nothing and allowed the Trump energy policies to continue, by now we would be a mass exporter of natural gas into Germany, into France, into the United Kingdom, into Belgium, into through Italy, and throughout, throughout Europe. And by doing that, we would be undercutting Russian prices. We would be blocking Russian energy dominance. And Putin, rather than having the time and the energy to be focused on a new war in Ukraine, he'd be dealing with his own economic headaches back home. And the fact that Biden was the one who said, let's shut down the Keystone Pipeline, Let's shut down the pipeline from Alberta, Canada to Michigan. Let's lift the sanctions on Russia, which enabled the Russian pipeline. And then, Bob, Biden has the audacity to tell the American people that he wants us to depend on OPEC. OPEC, these radical Islamic regimes in the Middle East, many of which would love to push America into the sea. I mean, it's just not not to mention Russia itself, not to mention the 540,000 barrels a day we get from Vladimir Putin's Russia, making him richer as he invades Ukraine. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, listen to this statistic. If you took the state of Ohio, the state of Pennsylvania and the state of West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, you combined our three states into a region. That region would be the third largest producer of natural gas in the entire world. Not just in the country, but in the world. We are sitting on a gold mine of natural gas in the Utica and the Marcellus Shale, right here in Ohio. And out, you, you get on I-77, right there at 77 at Rockside, you go due south about an hour, 15 minutes, and you're in the Utica and the Marcellus Shale. And these are blessings, these natural resources, Bob. These are blessings from God. We have these natural resources beneath our feet in Ohio and America. And all these lunatics on the left, Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, Obama, John Kerry, the entire media, the fact that they're trying to block natural gas development in America, it is anti-American. It is awful. And I read recently that Putin, the KGB, the FSB, they funded a lot of this hysteria, this climate change hysteria in America to advance the cause of blocking American oil and gas production because they knew that was a great asset for America. And at the end of the day, Obama, Pelosi, Biden, 
John Kerry, the media, they were used as useful idiots by Putin. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about it. There's so much more uh, that could be said about uh, our response to uh, Vladimir Putin. And, you know, the, the strange thing was, Josh, as we wrap this is, you know, coming in, Joe Biden touted uh, when he was in his campaign his foreign policy credentials because he spent 40 years in the Senate and uh, all of his time uh, leading uh, on foreign policy. He was going to be the expert that repaired our relationships with our allies around the world and made our enemies fear us again or, or um, you know, respect us again, I guess. And uh, his biggest, I don't know, I guess I can't say biggest because his domestic problems with inflation, with immigration, uh, supply chain, and all the rest are also equally dangerous, but he has been an absolute disaster on foreign policy in 13 months. Two massive crises, one in Afghanistan, uh, and now this with uh, Russia and Ukraine. So uh, Mr. Foreign Policy is, uh, is, is a failure at every turn, and I know that's, uh, that's something a lot of people took away last night as well. Josh, uh, great, uh, great to have you on. Uh, uh, always good to talk to you. Thanks for your analysis of the speech last night, and congrats on the endorsements, and uh, good luck the rest of the race. Thanks, Bob. Have a good one. And for any of your listeners who want to learn more about me, again, the website's real simple. It's joshmandel.com, J-O-S-H-M-A-N-D-E-L.com. I am pro-God, pro-gun, pro-liberty, pro-Trump, America First Agenda, and would be honored to earn your vote. All right, there it is. Very simple, joshmandel.com. No uh, tricks in, in that easy URL. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. At 9.54, we'll take a quick time out and come back. AM 1420, The Answer. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 956, AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you for being with us on this Wednesday, State of the Union Reaction Day. I asked you to watch it yesterday for yourself and give me your impressions rather than making me watch it and telling you what happened, which is what I have done for virtually my entire career. But in all seriousness, I would love your reactions. First, I've got plenty to say in hour number two coming up uh, on what I heard. But let's go to TJ. And uh, TJ's in Cleveland. Go ahead, TJ. Yeah, you know, Bob, I'm watching this. And, you know, this Ukraine is a very serious, somber thing. Yeah. And, you know, I got the feeling with Joe Biden and some of these people, I felt more like I was at a high school football rally. Oh, the brave Ukrainians stood in front of a tank. Yay! I mean, this was just, it was depressing to watch this. And then I started getting a flashback to the Vietnam era. And I'm looking at these old libtards like your Jane Fonda and Barbara Streisand, Susan Sarandon, and all these old libtards. When they were young, and when a communist uh, uh, country invaded, a free democratic uh, country of South Vietnam. Who did they root for back then? They rooted for the communists, didn't they? They did. They did so openly, at least when we got involved in it, they yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, just open up wounds. But, you know, I couldn't watch this much. You know, uh, like I said, uh, I felt like I was at a football rally. This is serious stuff. And I wonder how many of them people sitting out there would grab a rifle and hold off the communist hordes if they had to do it. My bet is very few. Very, yeah. very few. Yeah, I brought that up uh, maybe it was yesterday, uh, maybe it was Monday, actually. And, and it's a great question because what we see, and thanks, TJ, for the call, it, it, what we see over there is their president. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing Zelensky to, to Biden and say Biden should pick up a rifle if they have it. Zelensky, I think, is 44. Uh, he's in good shape, and he can fight. 
And he's saying, I'm going to inspire and lead my people uh, against this invasion by fighting with them. Um, and that's admirable. And I don't know that anybody who, anybody who isn't just completely um, supportive and impressed and amazed by that. Uh, I wouldn't expect Joe Biden to do. I wouldn't expect if Donald Trump was president for him to pick up a weapon and go fight either. He's, you know, Biden is almost 80. Trump is at 74, 75, not in great shape. They wouldn't be able to do anything like that. Not to mention the death of the American president would, would change the world. Change the world. Not to suggest that it wouldn't be large. Uh, if the Ukrainian president lost his life in a battle against invaders, but it would be different if the American president lost his life in battle. It would change the world. That's important to note. But having said that, when you see the president of Ukraine fighting, when you see Ukrainian celebrities, when you see Ukrainian millionaire athletes like the Klitschko brothers, the former uh, heavyweight boxing champions, rather they could be anywhere in the world. With all of, all of the money they have, they could be out of harm's way with themselves and their families. Instead, they're putting on uniforms, they're picking up weapons, and they're fighting. And I asked on Monday, what American celebrities would do that? What American elected officials would do that? Would there be some, particularly those with combat experience who are in our uh, Congress right now, would some of them do it? Absolutely, I believe they would. Most of them would run for the hills. Most of them would say, I'm too important to get shot. I am going to into, into my bunker. Most of them would, would, would freak out and not stand up and fight. So I'm okay with the cheerleading for the Ukrainian people, personally, TJ, because I think what they are doing is admirable and is deserving of our support and our cheers, if you will. What I am not okay with is the President of the United States trying to make us do that in order to take our eyes off of our own problems here at home. He is a disaster. And at 37% polling 14 months into his presidency, compared to, for example, 50% for Donald Trump at that time, for him to be that far underwater, knowing that everything that's happening here domestically will crush him, to take his eye and our eyes away from the disasters here and focus on the disaster over there, that's what I have a problem with. He thinks we're stupid. He thinks we're not going to feel the pain that we feel here because he's making us, he's wagging the dog, if you will, and making us focus on what's going on in Ukraine. Hour number one in the books. Good conversation with Josh Mandel. The second hour is just you. 216-901-0945. Right back. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 